Praise the Lord. We are very excited to have our brother with us. We had a great, great weekend. Uh, yesterday, he ministered so well. I have to say, when he was ministering on being an event, a missionary, it triggered a hundred stories today. We were just sharing back and forth being missionaries and the craziness of that. And so we are very blessed to have him. I've enjoyed my time uh, with him and his wife. His wife will leave, be leaving us tomorrow. She's heading home, but our brother will be here with us through Wednesday. We're very excited. Let's give him a warm Rochester welcome. Patrick Johnson. Got him, and yeah, I'm gonna start taking these guys wherever I go. I, yeah, hey, listen, I got some frequent flyer miles. It'd be nice to have some every time you walk. Hey, hey, be really encouraged to preach God's wonderful word. Thank you, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, just. What a great blessing, amen, to be with you. Believe God's going to help us tonight. And so if you give me one quick second here, praise God. Hallelujah. And so I got to turn this little device up a little bit. And I was telling someone last night that I'm going to do a unique genre of music tonight, or last night, but then you, you remember what happened. We had the little bit of a switch, and so we'll take care of that tonight. Amen. My brother, you're going to have to help me. I, they gave me a supernatural gadget here that, and they told me you can control everything. Just turn this, turn that up a little bit. Text one, two, three, one, two. One, two. That's all I needed right there. You could have just pointed me to this button. Come on, somebody. It messed me up totally with that. That's, that's too much power in my hands. Hallelujah. I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm no longer alone. Gave my heart to Jesus to make heaven my home. I don't be a fool, sing the preacher fool. This might just make you mad, but it's got to be said. You're heading for disaster. Your future looks real bad. I don't be a fool, sing the preacher fool. Why must you act this way? You know that Jesus loves you. Let him take your sins away. I don't be a fool. Sin will treat you cool. It'll tear your life apart. You need to serve the Lord. Give Christ your heart. Just listen to the preacher. And what he says to you, you want to get to heaven, got to believe in truth, don't be a fool, sin will treat you cool. 
Don't be a fool. Sin will treat you cruel. You don't need no other love. The blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough. Woo! Okay, that's enough. Mm. This is a unique environment because all the young people are screaming and hollering about that song. I've gone places where most young people don't even have a clue who that is or what that is. And all the young folks, you guys are quite cultured here. Hallelujah. Let's get to the word of God tonight. I want to preach tonight a sermon I've entitled, Happily Ever After. Happily Ever After tonight. And out of the book of 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11, it's the, it's the picture with the chariot of fire. The one with the fire. I gave you that one. No. Don't worry about it. It was in there. It's a good picture too. Second Kings chapter two, verse 11. The picture wasn't important. It was just a, a thought I was sharing with him. The Bible says, as they still went and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire parted the two of them. And Elijah went up into heaven by a whirlwind, or some would say a tornado. Brother went to heaven in a chariot made of fire that was driven by a tornado. Help me pray tonight, Lord. God, I'm asking you tonight, God, to come and speak and touch and help your people tonight father we're coming against tonight the demonic attack of discouragement despair god and every lie of hell tonight father jesus there are things you already want to do in this service lord all i want to do is line up with that have your way father your kingdom come your will be done in this service as it is done in heaven. We love you, Lord God, and all God's people said with a shout, amen. When I first started to evangelize, if you'll give me a second here, I got to grab something out of this bag for my sermon. It's important to the message. When I first started to evangelize, this would have been a long, long time ago. My daughter is 21, and when I started evangelizing, she was three. So I've been evangelizing. I know I only look like I'm 25, but it's okay. When I first started evangelizing, I realized how boring sitting on an airplane can be. And so, you know, after you done read your Bible and you've read some other things and you know, you're sitting there and you just get bored to tears. And so what happened was my wife and I went to a half price bookstore to buy some books for my daughter and sitting in the corner of the half price bookstore was a box about that big full of books and they were selling the entire box 
for 25 cents. I didn't care what was in the box. I didn't know what was in the box. But if you don't sell a box of anything for 25 cents, I'm going to buy it. Because you never know, there might be gold in that box. And so I bought the books and going through it, I came upon a paperback western novel. I didn't know about paperback westerns. And so I went through it and I started re- and I fell in love with paperback westerns. And that's what would help me get through all them flights. My favorite paperback western author is a man by the name of Max Brown. Now I know that there is, you know, Louis L'Amour and, and William Johnstone, and, but nobody compares to Max Brand. Max Brand is the most exciting Western paperback writer there. And the reason why I love him is they're clean, ain't no bunch of cussing and nastiness until you can read it and not feel violated. There is nobody that can write like Max Brand. You know how when you open up a paperback Western, the first page is usually a blank page. It's a blank white page. Max Brand is so awesome that even that black blank page is exciting. He is that good. I would read those books and I'm telling you from cover to cover, you're just, you're just enthralled and you're, whoa, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. You know, you're biting your nails. Oh, so good. There was just one minor problem with Max Brand. He had no idea how to end the book. His books would start off magnificent and then the ending would just be terrible. Just let me give you an example. Let me hear. One of my favorite Max Brand books is a book that he wrote about a beautiful silver stallion named Moonshine. Not that wasn't alcohol, that was the color of the horse. For for those who was wondering. The book is about a young cowboy who goes out into the wilderness and he captures wild horses. And one day he was out in the wilderness and he looked up on the mountainside and there was this beautiful, big, muscular, silver stallion. And he fell in love with the horse at first sight and he started chasing the horse all over the mountain. And finally he was able to capture the horse and he trained the horse and they became the best friends. To where he could just whistle and the horse would come running from a whole nother country. Just, just, woo. There was a damsel in distress and a bunch of bad guys and the young cowboy and this beautiful silver stallion named Moonshine were able to whoop all the bad guys and they rescued the girl and, and the book is great and it's just, it's just awesome and you get to the last chapter and in the last chapter Moonshine jumped off a mountain and died. In the last chapter you killed a horse. The horse is the only reason why I bought the book. Because there was a picture of the horse on the cover of the book. 
Why would you kill the horse that you got as a picture on the cover of the book? It's been almost 20 years. I'm still upset. (laughs) He ruined the last chapter. Would you agree with me tonight that it does not matter how good a story is if you ruin the last chapter? It does not matter how many exciting events happen in the book. It does not matter how many victories were accomplished in the book. It does not matter how many times in the story something, if you ruin the last chapter, you've ruined the whole story. You know, there are people who are not here tonight And who are no longer serving God. Because somewhere in the middle of their story. They took the pen out of God's hand. What do you mean preacher? Every person sitting here tonight. Your life is a story that's being written. The question tonight is. Who's writing your story? Because if you're writing your own story, then listen, the story is not going to end well because we are terrible authors, especially when it comes to writing our own story. Meaning tonight, you're deciding every chapter. You're deciding how the story's going. Listen, we are terrible authors when it comes to dictating and deciding our own story. But oh, if your story is being written by Jesus... If Jesus tonight is the author of your story, there's quite a few things that I want you to know. I I can't tell you that if Jesus is the author of your story, you'll ever be a movie star. I can't tell you you'll ever be a millionaire. But there is one thing I can guarantee you. If Jesus is the author of your story, then your last chapter is going to be way better than any other part of your story. The problem is, so often when people get into the middle chapters, when things get difficult, they take the pen. Out of God's hand. Let me give you an example of what I'm trying to say tonight. There are people in the Bible who we would have been able to say were justified if they would have decided to snatch the pen out of God's hand in the middle of the story. There's just a couple of you. There's a bunch of them, but we're just going to look at a couple of them. We ain't got time to look at all of them. Think about the story. Oh, hallelujah. Think about the story of Job. And before I go on, I just, just every time I talk, talk about Job, every time I think about Job, I say a little prayer. So give me a second. Let me pray to the Lord. Please don't ever do that to me. Lord, I'm just, I'm just saying, if the devil ever show up and say my name, just say, uh-uh, mm-mm. No, leave him. Leave him alone. He ain't going to be able to make the whole... No. Move on to someone else. Please. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Think about Job's story. Think about all that this man went through. All that he suffered. All the 
injury and assault of hell on this man's life. It was like chapter after chapter of defeat. Chapter after chapter of hardship and difficulty. This man had some very hardship. At any point, Job could have said, God, I don't like the way you're writing this story. Give me the pen because I think I can do a much better job. There are people that do that all the time. Because the story is not easy. And we read in Job 42.10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he... I wonder how many times God was on the brink of showing up and blessing and helping somebody who the devil had just put through the ringer. Somebody that the devil's been messing with. Somebody that was going through a difficult trial and God showed up and said, you know what? I'm going to bless. In fact, I am going to give you a double restoration. And it was right when God was getting ready to move that they gave up. I want to show you something tonight. And I, I could feel that my little jacket thing back here is loose. Don't y'all be looking at that. You know what I'm saying? You be preaching and folks be like, oh man, that thing is loose. I can't even pay attention to what he's saying. So, I wish his wife, if his wife was here, she'd help him out. Ma'am, would you, would you be willing to help me out, please? Yeah. I'm asking ask this really pretty lady right here. Y'all don't... There's this, 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 she's really pretty, you know what I'm saying? And so I hope y'all don't mind. Thank you, thank you, ma'am. God bless you, Lord. May the blessing of God be on you, sister. Hallelujah. What was I saying before? She's so pretty, I lost my mind. How many people missed? I want to show you something real quick. Thank you, I got my mind back now. I want to show you tonight how difficult your problems are for God. It's how difficult your problems are for God. Problem solved. Do you know that we serve a God that can turn the page and change every circumstance of your life? For us, our problems are, but for God, The Bible says weeping may endure for a night. But God can just turn. Now there's some of us, we've messed up our story pretty bad. And God said, well, you need more than a page. (laughs) You've been acting crazy for a while. how How about we just start a whole new chapter? God can do it. And then there's some of us, God's like, oh, Lord Jesus. I think he says, oh, myself. I don't think he... He said, listen, you know what? In fact, you need more than a chapter. Let's just start a whole new book. But he can turn... How many people quit when the finger of God was on the page of their life? Think about Ruth. Think about Ruth is a good example. And the 
reason why Ruth is such a good example was because she wasn't even a child of God. At least not in the beginning. You know the story. Sister Ruth is down there in Moab Walmart. That's where she was. She's in there and two young Jewish boys walk in there, Mylon and, 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 and Chilean, Chilean, Skellion. One of them two, two boys. And they, one of them see her, he say, how you doing? She said, I'm doing okay. He said, girl, can I have your number? Yeah. You know the story. They fall in love. They get married. And before you know it, things begin to go bad. Her father-in-law gets sick and he dies. Her brother-in-law gets sick and he dies. Her young husband, something happens. And before this girl has even started life, her husband died and she is a widow. The only person she has left in her life is her mother-in-law. Now let me pause right here. I got a great mother-in-law. Everybody can't say that. I don't want to get in no trouble tonight. I love my mother-in-law. Got nothing to do with she only comes at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Ain't got nothing to do with that. We have a great relationship. This poor girl couldn't say that. Come on now. If somebody walks up to you and just say, and say I just want you to know I've changed my name recently. Really? You, you changed your name? What would you change your name to? They used to call me Naomi, which means happiness. I changed my name tomorrow, which means bitter. Because I am mad at God. Come on, church. You got to live with that person. Listen, listen. It's easy to be mad at people when you're mad at God. It's not hard to be bitter with people if you have the audacity to be bitter with God. The Bible says, though, this young girl made a decision. She said, you know what? I am going back with you to Israel. And she made this statement. Your people will be my people. And your God, the God of Israel, I choose to make him my God. Now, listen, on earth, that probably didn't mean too much. But, oh, beloved, what she was saying in eternity is, I am going to take the pen of my life. I'm going to take it out of the hands of the idols of Moab that can't help me no way because they're just sticks and stones in the imaginations of a man's heart. And I am going to put the pen of my life in the hands of God. This young lady had no idea. You know the story. She gets back to Israel. She's out there in a field gleaming. The Bible says God told his people, whenever you glean your field, whenever you uh, reap your harvest, leave the corners, leave the edges uh, for the poor uh, and the orphan uh, and the desolate uh, and the foreigner. Ruth uh, would have been at the back of this line because she was a foreigner, not just any foreigner. She was a Moabite. She was a widow. She was a woman. She had no people, no nothing. She would have been at the back of that line in that old hot, supernaturally hot middle eastern sun out there trying to pick up a couple grains of wheat to go make some tortillas for a bitter mother-in-law you know that there were days church because i know the devil i don't know him but i know about him you know there were days when the devil showed up that poor girl's out there in that sun and said why are you doing this 
What's wrong with you? Abandon this God who, look, uh, come on, come on, look at, look at what you're doing. You're out here in this hot sun. In fact, there's a reason why Boaz told his men, don't, don't, don't nobody mess with her. Because it was a common thing to mess with these young. You know, the devil would have shown up and said, listen, what has your faith in the God of Israel done for you? You ever felt that? What has your faith? Let me tell you something about the enemy. I want you to think of just for the just for the ability to visualize what I'm saying tonight. What if on Friday evening Ruth is out there in that field, it's 130 degrees, because it can be 130 degrees in the Middle East. She's out there Friday evening. Out there picking up, barely picking up enough for one meal, much less two meals. She's out there having no idea that the finger of God was on the page of her life. And Saturday, Boaz was coming. And her whole life was going to change. I wonder how many people have given up on Friday when if they'd have just waited on God one more day. Think about Joseph. On Friday, Joseph's in a dungeon. And I, I, I know Hollywood and, you know, they make it seem like Joseph was down there and the birds were singing to him and he had all kind of cakes and cheesecake and chocolate. and that's not, He was in a nasty, filthy dungeon. The Bible said there were stocks on chains on his neck and his head. On Friday, he's in a dungeon. He has no idea that Friday morning he's in a dungeon. Friday evening the king is talking about him. Listen, sometimes you're in the middle of a trial, the middle of a difficulty, and you have no idea that in that moment the king's talking about you because the king's putting a plan together to do a supernatural work in your life. Friday evening, the king's talking about him, and by Saturday afternoon he went from the dungeon to the palace you know why because we serve a God I can turn the page let's get back to Ruth she out there poor girl she out there in that son the Bible says Boaz comes to check his field and as he's checking his field he looks out and he sees this and he says hey hey guys who's that and his servants say oh boss that's Ruth right there he said, Ruth who? He said, boss, that you don't know, that's Ruth, the girl that's helping Naomi. You know, the one that came back, my chili, Skillion's go girl, you know what I'm saying? And Boaz said, Lord, have mercy. That's her, right? Yeah. And Boaz said, listen, I, I need you to do me a big favor. Go get some handfuls, the biggest handful you can get. And drop him right in front of her and put my phone number in it. Just, just, you know what I'm saying? Just uh, take a piece of paper with my phone number. And within days, within days, she went from a peopleless, cursed widow to marry to a millionaire. And all God did. Turn. But you know what the, the thing about Ruth? You know what's awesome about Ruth? I wonder if there was a day when Ruth was sick. Because you know, Ruth would have been a young woman when all this happened. 
I wonder if there was a day when Ruth was sitting on her front porch like great grandmothers will sometimes do and she may be knitting a sweater and drinking some of that wonderful lemonade that great grandmothers can make. And into her yard walks Samuel the prophet. She said, Samuel, what are you doing here today? It's not a feast day. And Samuel would have said, Ruth, I've come to anoint one of your great grandsons as the king of Israel. I wonder whose destiny might be linked to you leaving the pen in God's hand. I wonder if on that day, the greatest day in the history of the world, when the Son of God came down to earth and went into the womb of Mary and was getting ready to, I wonder on that day when you know all of heaven would have been on the edge of their seat looking down. I wonder if somebody nudged Ruth and said, you know, that's your great, 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 lots of great grandson. Because she was in the lineage of Oh, church. Blow your mind what God can do. When you make a decision to leave the pen in his hand. And then we get to the man in our text. Let's think about the man in our text for a minute. Because nobody had a better last chapter than this man in our text. What do you think about this, women, church? Was there anybody in the Bible whose story ended like this brother's story? You know the story. He's walking with his disciple, Elisha, and they're talking. Yeah, um, you know, one day you're going to be a great man of God and God's going to use you. And they hear the sound of horses running. And he looks up in the sky And they see a chariot being pulled by fire horses. Come on, somebody. Horses made of fire. And a chariot made of fire. We're not talking about earth fire. We're talking about heaven fire. It would have been a different looking fire. It would have been a holy fire. It would have been a mighty, oh, come on. We call it a fire zine where I come from. This brother went to heaven in a fire, a fire zine, fire limousine, fire zine. The Bible said this fire zine comes and picks him up. And he goes to heaven, not just in a fire limousine, But God sent a tornado. If that would have been me, I'd have been screaming at those horses. Y'all slow down. Hey, hey, I need a couple people to see me. Slow down. Go through my neighborhood a couple times. Go through my neighborhood. Let me, you know. Elijah never tasted sickness. Never tasted death. Never went through the fears and the worries that we go through, you know, in times. This man was taken to heaven. Listen, listen. That brother is still in heaven today. And as far as we know, 
He's still the same Elijah. And you know he kept that fire scene. You know he kept it. I'd, I'd be showing off for all eternity. Be like, Moses, how'd you get here? <laughs> in, in fact, Moses, we don't even know how you got, we think God knocked you over the head because you was tripping. This is how I got it. But as powerful as his story was, we almost didn't have it. Because in the middle of his story, he almost took the pen out of God's hand. In fact, he tried to take the pen out of God's hand. But God said no. Listen to me tonight. One of the greatest blessings that God could ever give you and I sometimes is to ignore our prayers. Come on, church. Is there anybody here that has ever prayed for something that you are, you thank God today that God said, I'm not doing that. Is there anybody you pray, you like, oh God, you got to do this, you got to, ah, help me, Jesus, and God's going, if I do that, it will ruin your life. What happened? What caused this man to try to take the pen out of God's hand? The Bible says, He'd been a prophet for many years. He'd watched the deterioration of the nation of Israel, the people that he no doubt loved and cared about. And the Bible says, church, that one day he decides, you know what, I'm tired of this. I need revival. I'm believing God for breakthrough. And he challenges the 400 prophets of Baal, the 450 prophets of Asher. And he goes up on the mountain. He challenges them. God answers by fire. They kill the false prophets. The people start to scream, the Lord is God. And Elijah is thinking, King, I am finally going to get some breakthrough. There's finally going to be blessing and revival. And it did not last. And he was disappointed. Listen, be careful in the kingdom of God. When you're disappointed... Because disappointment has a wicked cousin. They kind of run together. His name is discouragement. And when disappointment and discouragement attacks your life, one of the first things they try to get you to do is to take the pen out of God's hand. Because the lie of the devil, and it is an insane lie, is you can do a better job than God. I'm putting a sermon together. I've been thinking on it the last few days. I'll just share a thought with you. Listen, every struggle in the life of a child of God is because somewhere in their life they're believing the lie of the devil. The devil can't tell the truth. Even if he tried, he couldn't tell the truth. Because he is a liar. Everything about him is a lie. And when you're discouraged, 
The Bible says this supernatural man of God, he goes into the wilderness and he sits under it. You listen to me tonight. As a child of God, we can go through the wilderness from time to time. Every child of God will go through the wilderness. But if you're making your home in the wilderness, something has gone terribly wrong. Because the wilderness was never a place where God intended for his people to dwell for extended periods of time. He's in the wilderness. He's sitting under a broom tree. And the Bible says, church, he prays a prayer. He says, God, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my father. Say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. He was reaching for the pen. God, I can't, I can't go on. What caused this man to come here? What, what triggered this? Because it wasn't just he was discouraged. You know what triggered it? When he was discouraged and disappointed, the devil began to speak. I want you to think about this with me. Just think about this with me. If Jezebel wanted to kill him, why would she send a messenger? Why not send an assassin? She had the power. We know the story. Her husband Ahab was a wimp. He was... She was in charge. If she really wanted to kill this man of God, why would you send somebody to tell him? You don't you listen. You don't send. You don't send somebody a text message. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm taking you out tomorrow. <laughs> By this time tomorrow, you gonna be gone. Why would you? You know why, church? You know why? Because if the devil can talk you out of what God has for you, he'll never lift a finger. How many people took the pen out of God's hand and ruined their last chapter and all the devil did was threaten them? He never did another thing. That's all he did. He just said, listen, if you don't stop doing this Jesus stuff, you don't stop being so committed. If you don't stop all this fasting and prayer, if you don't stop giving... You don't stop going to that church. If you don't stop, you know, why don't you back off a little bit? And there are people who lost the mirror. There are people who never saw the page turn. Not because of what the devil did, but because of what the devil said. My wife gave me, I was sharing this thought with her. She said, yeah, that's called spitboxing. I'd never heard that term before. What in the world is spitboxing? It's when you knock somebody out and all you did was speak to them. The devil is the king of spitboxing. Think about the story of David and Goliath. If Goliath was so big and so bad, why didn't he ever run across that field and attack those boys? You're the biggest, baddest thing around. For 40 days, you send me a man. You, you know why? Because he was able to stop the greatest army on planet earth. And all he did was speak to them. 
in that army was some of the Jonathan and his armor bearer in that army. Shama, Shimi, some of the mightiest men. Saul was a mighty man. And the enemy stopped them from being who they were in God for 40 days and 40 nights. And he never lifted a finger. All he did was speak. Same thing that happened to this man. And he almost took the pen out of God's hand. Let me close and tell you where this sermon came from. In our church in Colleen, there's a precious young lady that got saved the same time me and my wife got saved. She was a teenager. We, we all came in. I was 21. My wife was 20. And she would have been about 16, 17, 18. She married her, I believe at the time, her high school sweetheart. Within a few years, he lost his mind. He went completely crazy, started doing drugs, and he just became this violent, insane, abusive monster. Those are her words, not mine. She said, Patrick, every wicked thing that a man could do to a woman, he did to me. She testified. Every, every, it it, it was vile. She was so discouraged. She was so depressed. That she wanted to commit suicide, but she was afraid of going to hell. And so she said, I don't want to. Do. And so what she did is we have a, uh, uh, in our city, there's a park where all the gang members and all the drug dealers hang out. She drove to that park and she drove right up to them and she sat in her car staring at them. She was hoping that one of them would shoot her. She was given it. She was trying to take the pen out of God's hand. But there were people who loved her, cared about her, prayed for her, encouraged her. Listen, don't give up on people. I'm not talking about people who, rebels who go crazy and just act a fool. I'm talking about people who are just struggling, they're hurting. Don't give up on people. You never know what God could do if you would fight for somebody that can't fight for themselves in a moment. We prayed, we believed God. And one day I'm sitting in the prayer room at church. Her son, the prayers over her son who's about nine years old because she met another guy. That he, her first husband divorced her, left her. She was desolate, hurting for a while. She met a wonderful gentle giant. A gentle giant. He's, he is as wide as he is big. I don't know, just in case old boy ever start tripping, he'd just look at him and go, mm, that's all he'd have to do. And I'm sitting in the prayer room at church and I'm looking at her son, wonderful little boy, he's about nine years old, and he's over there and he's kind of looking at me and going, nah. I'm like, come on, man, I'm 45 years old, stop the man. And so I look back at him and I went, nah, you know what I'm saying? I've been nah longer than you have been nah, you know. And I'm looking at them, they get up, they go into the set, and I thought, God, beautiful family, beautiful little girl, little boy, she's happy. And I thought, God, what if she would have taken the pen out of your hand? But let me tell you where the story really ends. She is what you call a respiratory therapist. Her job is to take care of patients when they're on their deathbed. 
Per her words, she said, I've prayed with so many people before they took their last breath. I've lost count. You're talking over 20-something years now. She said, I've lost hundreds of people. Because she's praying with several people per day. She is usually the last one there when these people... She said, I've prayed with... so." There is going to be a congregation of people in heaven. And the only reason they're there is because she left the pen in God's hand. I wonder whose eternity could be depending on you leaving the pen in God's hand. In our story, in our close, the Bible says Elijah is sitting under that tree. He's got a decision to make. He can run back to Tishba, where he was from. Run for his life. He can do a, a Jonah, maybe get on a boat and travel. But the Bible says he does something that when we read it, we really don't probably don't pay it too much attention, but it's supernatural. The Bible says he gets up and he heads towards Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is called the mountain of God or the place where God speaks. In a time of great difficulty and hardship, he made a decision. I'm going to run to where God is. And what he was saying is, God, I'm running to you because I know I have to leave the pen in your hand. And the only reason we have that supernatural story is because he made a decision to leave the pen. Listen, happily ever after. You hear that statement, happily ever after. You immediately think about Disney World. It's true. Happily ever after. Disney World. Listen, Disney World can't give nobody happily ever after. In fact, if you've ever been to Disney World, you're not very happy after. You're broke. You got bills you didn't think you were going to have. The only person that can give you happily ever after is Jesus Christ. And that's only possible if you leave the pen in his hand. Bow your heads with me tonight. Heads about eyes are closed for just a moment. Oh God, we thank you. Jesus, we love you and praise you and worship you, Lamb of God. You're here tonight. You're tonight. Heart's not right with God. Sins are not forgiven. Jesus Christ is not the Lord and Savior of your life. You are not forgiven. God forbid you were to stand before the living God tonight. You do not have the promise of eternal life. I have a question for you tonight. Where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to spend eternity? I witness to people all the time and You ask them that question and they say, well, that's up to God. That's not true. 
It's not true. Because he's already done his part. He sent his only begotten son to suffer and die on a cross for your sins and for mine. Shed his precious blood. And the reason God did that is to leave the choice in your hands. And so if I ask you tonight, where are you going to spend eternity? Listen, you have the ability to determine that. You can be forgiven tonight. Anything and everything you've ever done that was against God, against the word of God. Every sin. The Bible says if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. But if you can be forgiven for one, you can be forgiven for them all. You're here tonight, you say, Preacher, I am not right with God. I need God to help me. I need God to change some things in my life. But Preacher, before I can begin to ask God for a miracle, I need to ask God to forgive me. Because I'm away from Him. If that's you tonight, before we close, before we do anything else tonight, I'd count it such an honor. Count it such a joy. If you'd let Pastor and I pray for you. Let us pray for you. Believe God with you. No one's looking around tonight for just a moment. This is between you and the Lord. You said, Pastor, I am not forgiven. Please pray for me that's you no one's looking around when you do something tonight so we know who you are so we can pray with you pray for you would you slip your hand up would you just lift it up quickly say pastor please i'm not right but i want to be i'm not forgiven but i want to be pray for me maybe you hear your back slidden away from god at one time you're serving god but as you sit here tonight you be honest say pastor i've gone back to things that i know is not right I went back to things I once thought I'd never go back to. Would you pray with me? Pray for me. Lift it up tonight. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. We'll pray for you. Pray with you tonight. Amen. Amen. Church, in every good story, in every good story, there are difficult chapters. In every good story, there is always a chapter or two that Things seem like they're not going to turn out well. Things seem like it's all going to go pear-shaped, as they would say in Australia or in England. Seem like everything is going to fall apart. And then you turn the page. Turn the page. And things change. I want to tell you something. Our God can turn the page and not just change things on earth. He can change things in eternity. Our God can turn the page for you. And the Bible says what the devil meant for evil, what the devil was trying to use to hurt you and destroy you. God can turn the page and cause that to be the very thing that produces the blessing and the miracle that you so desperately needed in your life. That whole situation was going to produce Elisha. The Bible says Elisha who poured water on Elijah's hand. Some scholars say he served Elijah for some 30 years. 
That situation was going to give him a friend and someone to serve him and help him and bless him. What was Elijah's complaint? I have no one. And so God gave him somebody. And in the end, Elisha got a double portion of his... What the devil meant for evil, our God can take it and use it to bless your life. What the devil meant for evil, God can use it to answer your prayers. That's the wonderful God we serve. Stand with me tonight. Stand with me. We're going to open the altars tonight. We're going to come and just take a couple minutes to pray. and Cry out to God and talk to God. Oh, come and find a place to pray. Say 
Would you stand with me tonight? mighty God help us Jesus help us